Here's what's coming up on today's show. The problem is you got to be right three times. You got to be right when you buy, you got to be right when you sell, and just to your point, you got to be right when you're getting back in. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. This is show number 98. We are moving right along with this podcast, The Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. And we always appreciate your time checking these out. Hopefully, you glean a useful nugget of information along the way, get some insight to some things, or at least get you thinking about different concepts or things that you might want to tackle in your retirement journey. And as always, if you need help, reach out to Michael and his team at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well. And this week, we're going to talk about the secret to retirement success. Big shock. Get out of your own way. It's you. You're you're like the usually the problem is ourselves. Right, Mike? We get we have um, what is that word? Oh, emotions. (laughs) And they get wrapped up in a lot of the things that we do. And sometimes the reason we have uh, you know, financial issues is we are our own worst enemy. So that's going to be the topic this week. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing well. End of May here, you know, getting ready to go into summer. So excited for barbecues yeah. and fireworks. Soon. Memorial Day. Yeah, we're going to drop this right before Memorial Day. You got any plans? I'll just spend some time with the family. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just gonna How about out. yourself? Hang out by the pool. There we go. Gonna Can't be, beat that. That's right. Exactly. So what do you think? Do you think that it, a lot of times we are our own worst enemy with financial decisions? You've been doing this a long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we talk on the podcast all the time that, you know, when we first introduce myself to clients and they come aboard, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, half financial planner, half behavioral counselor, you know, trying yep. to save you from yourself. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we were thinking about the title on this and then we were talking with the, with the, the content creators and I, we were sitting here going through what we're going to talk about. It's like, you know, just get out of your own way, man. Just get out of your own head. And, and a lot of times that can really make a big difference. So then we're going to get into that. But first, let me ask you about crypto. Uh, obviously, the markets are not doing well in general, but uh, what's the status of, you know, this thing? <laughs> <It's been laughs> yeah, everywhere. yeah. I mean, what, yeah, what, you, what you've seen year to date is, you know, and it's surprising, especially to a lot of the crypto enthusiasts is that you know, it's supposed to be non-correlated with the market. So if you've uh-huh. got inflation and the market's tanking all around you, then, you know, crypto is supposed to be kind of the bastion of strength sure. you know, going forward. And instead, you've seen year to date, it's down 40, 60 percent. Uh, you know, there was just as the day we're recording this, you know, the, and, and a big part of it is in, in why it's continuing to sell off. And you got Bitcoin as the time we're covering this, you know, it, earlier in February, it was around 60,000. It had been hovering around, you know, 40, 42,000 and it's trading around 28,000 as of the day that Ouch. we recover this. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of pain in there. And part of that is, you know, the, the whole concept of it. Yeah. It's the blockchain technology and that that's, is, you know, it is going to revolutionize a lot of industries, but it, considering it a currency is completely different. Um, they came out and with something called a stable coin. So stable coin is a dollar of this digital coin is going to be, you know, worth a dollar. So think of it almost like a money market. Okay. So, you know, and this, so they've got cryptocurrency behind it. And what's happened is that's gone almost worthless. So in the, in the matter of the last couple of weeks, it's lost over 90% of its value. So, you know, how can that potentially be an actual currency? And it's starting to put a lot of pressure just on whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Dogecoin, all those kind of things. 
it's starting to put a lot of pressure on that. And people are starting to rethink, how does this actually fit in? And one of the biggest things when it comes to our clients, you know, and, and we, we kind of joke about it with them is, you know, with the markets being a little rocky this year, you know, and that's probably an understatement is, you know, clients are, you know, naturally concerned because it's been a little while since we had a significant sell-off and they're saying, okay, hey, you know, I'm, I'm down 5% or 10% you know, what, what does this look like? It's a lot less than the markets. They don't feel so bad, you know, in context, but then they'll end that and be like, well, what do you think about Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. You know, and be like, well, wait, you know, you're concerned about five and 10% swings, yet you want to talk about cryptocurrency that moves, you know, 30, 40% a matter of a month. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, you know, the a prolonged sell-off, Mike, it was something we have obviously not seen in what, 13 and a half years. You can make little arguments here and there, but for the most part, I mean, even the, you know, the COVID drop was only two months where do we consider this are we five months of straight falling i mean i know the early, the beginning of the year was choppy and it started falling slowly but we had some ups and we had some downs it only seems like within the last maybe 30 45 maybe 60 days that it continually seems to be falling so again it's all prognostication but it's like will we see a prolonged downturn or will it be a few months and then start its way back up again nobody knows yeah, I think you're kind of contending with two different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, the sell-off started is in January. You know, so long before Russia, Ukraine, long before the Fed even started raising interest rates, you had markets between, you know, the S&P 500, NASDAQ already down 10, 15%. Then they rallied into February, then they sold off to newer lows, then they rallied into March, then they sold off to new lows, then they rallied going into April. And, you know, as the time recording this here in mid-May, um, you know, basically we're, we're at new lows again. And part of that is the reason that it all began. We kind of talked about it, about you know why we're not going to get a V recovery this time on the mm-hmm. last podcast, which is just basically inflation is going to remain high. The you know Fed's getting aggressive, you know, so they're not going to come to the rescue. And you know we've we've been in a recovery, you know, pretty much for about twelve or thirteen years now. So it's just time it's that time. you know prices reset. And if you think about even on the Fed side of it. You know, the Fed aggressively raising interest rates, some would even say that they're trying to push us into a soft recession, whatever that means. Uh, But and the reason why is once you go into a recession, it's going to reset asset prices. So with higher interest rates, it's going to slow down the the increase in real estate prices, if not even make them pull back another 10 or 20 percent. We're already seeing it in the stock market. You know, a lot of the growth stocks, the non-profitable ones. Uh, you know, now that it's not 0% interest rates, they're getting hammered. So if the markets are down 20%, these stocks are down 40, 60%, you know, and even the labor market, you go into a recession, guess what? It slows down businesses, slows down the economy. People are going to get laid off and that's never a good thing. But for labor inflation, you know, that's going to reset the pricing uh, uh, for labor as well. So some will say that, you know, they they can't outright say it, but, you know, the Fed may actually be trying to get us into a, a soft landing, soft recession and have it be a short one that we can come out of, but kind of reset, you know, what's been this everything bubble for the last few years. Well, and and when these things happen, we definitely start to get more in our own way because we panic. So number one on my list, obviously, is is the fear and greed aspect of things. Uh, We've been seeing the greed over the last several years because the markets have been fantastic and we've all been like, heck yeah, right? I mean, everybody loves it when it's up. Nobody likes it when it's down. But we start seeing this and people start to go, you know, how much can you handle before you hit the panic button? No, agreed. And, the, and the, there's two points on the fear and greed side of it. One of it is, and, you know, and this really applies to 2022 and what's going on in the market. Sure, 15 to 25% down in the S&P and the NASDAQ and that, that's painful, but you can recover from that. What you can't recover from, if you're somebody that the last few years, you know, whether it was Bitcoin or whether it was only growth tech stocks and all that, and you're like, hey, I've been riding the high, I've been beating the market the last couple of years thinking you've been a genius, but mm-hmm. it's been more luck. 
And now all of a sudden, those things are down 60, 80, 90%. You can't recover from that because those things aren't coming back, at least not at the levels that they were. So, you know, the, the greed inside of it is now is why you're fearful. But now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've lost 70, 80% of everything, even though the markets are only down around 20 or so. Mm-hmm. The, the second part of that is, you know, Dalbar is a research organization, comes out every year and they, and they do research on, you know, the rolling 20 years. So the last 20 years, and they updated every year of what did the markets do and a balanced portfolio do versus what did the average retail investor do over that same 20 years? And they just came out that you know, over the last 20 years, so from 2002 to 2022, the average in the S&P 500 has been about 8%. The average retail investor, 2.6%. Why? Because we make the wrong decisions. We buy when you know things feel good, but that's at the all-time highs because it feels good. So fear of missing out, and we sell near the absolute lows, and then we sit in cash where we're a bear in a bull market. All of a sudden, you know. So so basically, we leave about two thirds of the potential gains on the table. And that's the benefit of working with an advisor that can actually hold your hand through that process. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and what and what starts to happen, and again, we're talking about getting out of our own way often when it comes to making financial choices, is sometimes I think as humans, we feel like if we don't take action, we are basically doing something wrong. Like we sometimes sometimes feel compelled to make it better by doing something, whatever that something might be. And so we make bad investment choices in an effort to, you know, try to save us money. And oftentimes sometimes we'll do that in the category of taxes, for example. We'll say, well, if I don't do something, I'm I'm, you know, I'm being ineffective. So let me do this because I, I it's gonna save me money on my taxes. No, absolutely. And I'll give, I'll give you, a, you know, you know, we have a tax practice in-house. So, right. so we got a referral from one of our clients from two individuals whose company went public in spring of 2021. Uh, and then the, sh- the shares were trading at about $90 a share. So it's just, you know, and it's a great tech company. You know, they are going to revolutionize things over the next five years in the industry. And the shares were at $90 and the lockup period ended. So that meant that they could sell as many shares as they wanted to. Now, granted, it would cause a big tax hit. But they said, well, you know, I really don't want to pay the taxes. I said, well, you know, this is life changing for you because, you know, these hundred thousand shares that you got completely financially changes you and your family's life. So, you know, we think you should sell at least half of them, take the tax hit, reposition it to be, you know, so it's not all subject to one company. And the guy's like, hey, I love this company. I think the stock price is going to double, triple. I said, it may. But once again, let's be prudent and say we could take half of this money and it changes your life, pay the taxes. So we chose not to do it. And, you know, as of we're recording here, that stock is at $18 a share now. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So don't let the tax tail wag the dog. dog. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, again, if we're getting in our own way, and you mentioned cash a minute ago. So what tends to happen in some of these times, Mike, is that people go, well, hey, the Fed's starting to tick things back up. Uh, The market's not doing so great. Maybe I'll go ahead and pull out and just jump back into cash and I'll just increase my reserves uh, and I'll hang out there. Right. We saw that, you know, after the within the 0809, you know, era after that was going on. And so you just wind up kind of procrastinating and you sit on this stuff. And so you find yourself, I guess, being overly safe. There, there's more than just the market and, and cash, I guess, is the point. Right. No, no, agreed. And, and, and there's two big issues. And, and if it clicks for somebody, then they, they get it. And the thing is, everybody wants the long term results. You know, oh, what the market do over the last 10, 20 years or, mm-hmm. you know, what even bonds do over the last 10, 20 years or so. They want the long term results, but they want to be short term traders. And as you mentioned, they want to they want to do something. They feel compelled to do something. Mm-hmm. But you're only going to get the long term results if you're actually in it for the long term. Okay. Yeah. Jumping in and out. The, the second part of that is 
The problem with that kind of strategy, hey, I'm just going to go to cash until you know X happens or something. The problem is you got to be right three times. You got to be right when you buy. You got to be right when you sell. And just to your point, you got to be right when you're getting back in. There are so many people that I've talked to, and these are people that are at retirement age now. So they're in their 60s, maybe even bumping 70 right now that said, you know what, after 08, 09, I lost half of everything. So I called uncle and I went to cash, you know, so in 2010, 11, they're still sitting in cash and that's okay. You know, they were whipsawed a little bit. They did sell at the absolute wrong time, but it's emotional. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they've been in relatively cash or really low earning things for the last decade. And here they are all that opportunity cost that was lost because of just the one bad decision on, I'm just going to panic and get out. I'm going to sit in cash. And the next time the market crashes, then I'm going to get back in. Well, the thing is 12 years went by before that happened. Well, and a lot of people who did that set for a while, set for a while, then finally maybe got over that hump and got back in, you know, 15, 16, or even 17. And yeah, they, they reap the benefits of, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, but we're gonna, you know, the same cycle could present itself because often what we wind up doing is we say, well, it you know, didn't it worked and it kind of didn't work, but I just feel comfortable. So I'll do it again. Uh, or I just don't know what to do at all. You know, which what winds up happening or people listen to different things and they're going, well, man, now, I, now I'm just completely confused. Right. I've overthought this to the point of exhaustion and I don't know what to do. So I'll just do nothing. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. I mean, you know, the, the biggest thing, it's paralysis by analysis, you know, but the, the thing that's critically important for people to understand is by you not making a decision, that is a decision, yep. right? You, mm-hmm. You've chosen not to do something, uh, you know, even though it may not have been a conscious one, you know, so you're just sitting on your hands and just letting kind of fate take it from there. Yeah. No, it's a, that's a great line from a rush song for all of us 50 plus year olds that remember <laughs> that. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. So you have to do something. You can't overthink yourself into a position where you do nothing, uh, but you have to be careful, right? We've talked about that before on prior podcasts. Also, there's a lot of information. I, I would argue that we live in the age of disinformation. So, you know, it's okay to do some homework and, and certainly find out some things. But I think, again, that's where finding the right professional comes into place because that way you can kind of balance some of this stuff on, you know, off of them and say, okay, how much of this is gobbledygook and how much of this should I be paying attention to? And unfortunately, sometimes when we get in our own way, there's those folks that, again, with the paralysis, they can't make a decision. They're just really not sure. It's not their bag, whatever. They kind of wholeheartedly maybe put their trust in financial people who really aren't financial people, right? So, well, my cousin does really well, or my uncle does really well, or he, you know, he's made a good living and he's invested smart or whatever the case might be. They're not really a financial person. They just maybe have had some good success or some good runs or whatever the case is, but they're not a true pro. Yeah. And sometimes it's just been luck on their side. Right? Most of the so time it's, it's luck, you, right? <laughs> yeah. The, it's not that you shouldn't get input from, you know, family, right, coworkers, right. those kind of things. And you know, they mean well, right? But it's just, they're not yeah, a pro. Absolutely. But you, and you also don't really know, you know, deep down what their circumstances were. Right, you know? So, right. you know, even on the, you know, as a business owner, looking at it is, you know, part of it is, you know, don't take advice from somebody that's not already where you want to go. Right. right. So, you know, so if unless they're already retired and they're sitting on millions, and they you know they share the secret with you how they got there, then, you know, be be cautious, take it, but be cautious. And same thing, you know, going online to, you know, the rabbit hole and just whether it's politics or investing or any any kind of things that you feel out there. The reality is, you know, if you look long enough, you'll find something that agrees with you because we all have our own biases. So, you know, you're out there being like, hey, should I invest in tech now that it's down? Should I invest in tech? You know, well, if you Google it long enough, you'll find one article that says you should, but it may be the wrong decision at the wrong time. And in, and as you were talking about dealing with a professional, somebody that does it, that even applies 
applies to the financial advisor you work with. You know, we don't have a lot of 30 and 40 year olds running around our office as clients because we specialize in retirement income. We specialize in those within five years of retirement mm-hmm. or in retirement. So, it, you know, using a doctor analogy, it'd be like, you know, if you're having a heart problem, you're not going to go to an orthopedic, you know, who does knees on a regular basis. Yeah, they're, they're licensed to do it, but that's not what they specialize in. You're going to go to a cardiologist. So people that come to us aren't people that are saying, hey, I'm trying to make 50% of my money and grow because I'm 30 years old. People that come to us say, you know what, Mike, this is my, my this is all I have. I'm retiring in a couple of years and I can't afford to lose it because it's got to last me and my family the next 30 years. Yeah. You know, so that's all, you know, definitely make sure you're working with somebody that specializes in retirement, specializes in retirement income planning and tax planning, not just somebody that, you know, ha- happens to buy and sell mutual funds and annuities. And this is an industry where a, a lot of people, maybe not the industry, but this is a, a place where a lot of people are do-it-yourselfers, right? We've uh, Many of us just feel like, hey, I, I'm just going to handle this myself or whatever the case is until you get to a certain point in, in the last, uh, you know, you can YouTube anything, right, to figure out how to fix something or learn something or whatever the case might be. And you can DIY a lot of things, especially when you're accumulating money and especially when the markets have been great. We're all geniuses. It's when it starts to get a little ugly out there, like it's doing right now, that we start to panic more and go, maybe I do really need a true pro here. So as always, make sure you're talking with a qualified professional, someone who's been doing this, uh, you know, does it in and out every day of the week, so on and so forth for years to, you know, get the right, find the right fit for you really at the end of the day is what it comes down to. And if you're not working with an advisor and you need some help, definitely reach out to Mike and the team. As always, most of the time you can talk with a uh, financial professional. It's usually complimentary and see if it's the right fit for you. So if that's the case, just reach out and let them know you'd like to chat. You can find them online at crystallaketax.com. If you're not already working with them, then you already know that stuff. But, you know, maybe uh, it's a situation where someone just feels like, okay, now it's time for me to actually do something. Stop by and check them out, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And don't forget, you can drop us an email, which is what we're going to take right now to wrap it up from Ross in Huntley. And he says, uh, Mike, my mom died two years ago and my three sisters and I got the house. I've always wanted to sell. They weren't on board, but they're now coming around to the idea. But now they're all up about the tax implications of selling it. I keep telling him I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal from a tax perspective, but I really can't articulate why. Can you help? Uh, Ross, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a tax question. So, you know, like, because we have a tax practice in house, I'd be happy to answer it for you. You know, most advisors will, you know, like, oh, I don't talk taxes. But, mm-hmm. you know, for us, when I built a practice, not only do we do financial planning, we have a legal team in house, does estate planning, but we also have a CPA on staff and we do tax planning. I think this year we did 600 tax returns. Wow. So, uh, so Ross, on that, to answer that for your sister, so, you know, you can let them listen to the replay of this uh, on there as I'll walk you through. So when someone passes away, so your mom passed away a couple of years ago, uh, your sisters and you inherited the house. So now that the house is titled in your name, what happens from a tax perspective, and I'm just going to use some arbitrary numbers is, let's say your mom owned the house for the last, you know, 35 years, she put $100,000 down. And now because of just time and real estate markets, it's worth $500,000. So if she were to have sold it, that would be a $400,000 gain. Some of it would be taxable to her. Some of it wouldn't. I won't you know, go down that rabbit hole with you. But basically, she would have owed some taxes had she sold it because of the amount of gain. Now, because you inherited it, let's say two years ago when she passed away, it was worth $500,000. So let's just say it was worth the exact same amount that it's worth today. So if you and your sister or sisters were to sell today, then whatever you net out at the end. So when you sell and you go to closing, you know, and let's say you were selling it for 500,000, that was the asking price. 
The reality is you're not walking out with a $500,000 check. What's going to happen is you got to pay closing costs, you got to pay attorney fees, you got to pay last year's property taxes plus the prorated version of this year's property taxes. So you may come away with, you know, a $460,000 check by the time it's all said and done. Okay, so now you're saying, okay, but now we've got a $460,000 check. Well, you inherited it at its cost basis was stepped up as to what the value was on the day that your mom passed. So if the value was 500, you sold it for 500, but you didn't net out just the 460, then that 460 is completely tax-free to you and your sisters because it's less than what the value was on the day that you inherited it. So I know it's a lot there. Now, the flip side of that, let me give you a more realistic example. Your mom paid 100, it was worth 400, and now because of what's happened in real estate the last couple of years, it's worth 500,000, okay? Well, now you sell it for five, your cost basis, what you inherited at was 400, you still walk away at the same 460 in our other example. So now 400 of it's tax-free and you and your sisters only owe taxes on that 60,000 that is above the value that you inherited it at. Hmm. So, so basically you take the VAT, what was the value of the home the day that she passed, you know, or an estimate and, you know, the real estate agent can help you with that kind of stuff. And then it's only if you walk away, you and your sisters walk away with more money than what the value was on that day only that amount is subject to taxes going forward. So Ross, I know it's a lot of moving parts out there, but the, the, you know, the key thing is just talk with a good tax professional, good financial professional, and they'll point you in the right direction. But you are correct, Ross, the tax hit on that isn't going to be nearly as big uh, as you know, your sisters may think. So even though they've waited to sell it, uh, that still applies? It's like, so like they didn't have to do it like immediately after she passed kind of thing? Uh, correct. Yeah. So, so what happens with real assets? And this isn't just real estate. It mm-hmm. could be stocks and bonds. It could be collectibles. Those kind of things. Sure. Is you re- you receive what's called a step up in cost basis. Step up in cost basis is this doesn't apply to IRAs and four hundred one ks and retirement accounts. It's right. only for individual joint trust. The you know non retirement accounts. So what happens is whatever the value is on the date that the person passes that's the value for tax purposes for the beneficiaries. And there's no so time they, frame on that? So they, like, uh, yep, yep, correct. Yeah, no, no time wow. frame. So, uh, but that's where, you know, where time potentially hurts you, I guess, in theory, is use that example of, hey, you inherited it at 400, you sat on it for a couple of years. And now the because fell. the real estate market, you know, went up or down, yeah. that's good That's good or bad okay. for you from a tax standpoint. I got you. Well, cool. Well, great question, Ross. Thanks so much for sending that in. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, as Michael said, yeah, you know, play that back for your sisters. You guys can pause and rewind, check it out, uh, go run through it, and definitely reach out to a tax professional. Uh, if you need some help, you can reach out to Michael and his team at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And definitely send us questions. We appreciate those all the time. And thanks for listening to the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Mike, my friend, enjoy your Memorial Weekend. Everybody out there, I hope you have a great Memorial Day. And we'll see you in June, right? All right. We'll take there. And 99 and 100 coming up in June. (laughs) There you go. We'll see. We'll have have to figure out something interesting to do for the 100th episode in June. So uh, we'll catch you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.